Hey, we are back again. <laughs> Seems like we were just here about a day ago. Now we're back again. Glad to be with you, Newark Radio. 1590 AM dial, 92.7 FM, that's WALV. Also on Facebook and YouTube at New Hope Radio. So uh, be part of the program. Be part of the conversation as well on Facebook. Just go to New Hope Radio on Facebook and uh, join in. Love to read your comments. We'll share them on the air. Got a question? We'll see what we can do with that too. Good topic today. Oh yeah, man. This is a topic for every Christian. We're going to talk today about who you really are in Christ. Do you know who you are? And how about this? Do you know where you are? What is your new position in Christ? That's what we'll see today right here on New Hope Radio. All right, think about it. You know, what you were before salvation is not what you are today. Do you ever think about that? You know what the Word of God tells us? That we have a new position in Christ. That means that, you know, even after salvation, you might look the same. You might even smell the same. But God sees you in a different way. That's good news because He sees you, oh yeah, in a better way. In our new position in Christ, we're going to note five wonderful aspects of our relationship with God today. Our citizenship, our priesthood, the household that we're in, the fact that we're adopted into a new family, and when it's all said and done, the marriage. Oh yeah, the marriage of the Lamb. And you know when all of these took place? Well, it began at a very important part of your life when you were born again, at the new birth. Because when we go back to the Gospels in John chapter 3, and verse 3, Jesus said it. He said, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, that means to have a spiritual birth through faith in Christ, he cannot see the kingdom of God. To be born again means to be born from above. That's all. It's the word enothen, to be born from above. And that spiritual birth opens up a whole new way of life. It really does. Everything changes. Jesus said, unless one is born of the water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. See, it has nothing to do with behavior. It has everything to do with faith. That's the important thing. God is looking for faith. Now, once this experience has taken place, the believer becomes brand new in the eyes of God. Brand new. Old things have passed away. New things have come. So let's begin to look at these new things that have come. Number one, you have a brand new citizenship in heaven. Your rights and privileges from the earth they are now transferred to your new home, your home, huh, in heaven.
Now, how do I know that? Because the Bible tells me in Philippians 3.20, our citizenship, we'll see what that means, it's in heaven, from which also we eagerly wait for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, the word citizenship, it means our community. It's like where we belong. You know, the root word of the word citizenship means to live as a citizen. And again, Paul, a lot of his analogies are taken from everyday life of the first century. And he's talking about Roman citizenship and getting believers to understand their citizenship in heaven. Now, when Paul wrote this letter to Philippi, Philippi is a city, and it was a Roman possession. It was conquered and ruled by the Romans. And this is what the Philippians understood that Paul was saying, that Philippi, number one, belonged to Rome. Many of the citizens there were retired soldiers who served in the Roman army. And even though they weren't born Roman, they were granted Roman citizenship because they served in the army. The Latin tongue was spoken, the Roman tongue. Roman justice was administered in Philippi, which originally was Greek. Roman morals and way of life were observed. So Paul is saying to the Philippians, just as the Roman colonists never forget they belong to Rome, you must never forget that you are citizens of heaven. And your conduct and attitude must reflect your citizenship. That's what he's saying. It's also helpful to understand that our rights and our privileges, well, you know, they're not found down here on earth, but they wait for us in heaven. So it's easy to say, yeah, life's not fair. And you know why? Because it's not. But the believer in Christ has something going for them. They know that, yeah, life's not fair on the earth, but it's fair in heaven. That the rights and privileges that we have down here, well, you know what? They're not going to be that uh, complete or even honored. Once we, once we become Christians, our rights and our privileges are now in heaven. As a matter of fact, you know, the Bible says we're strangers and aliens in this world. We're like round pegs in a square hole. You really don't fit in. And the more you draw closer to Christ, the more uncomfortable you become in the world. So that's one thing that happens. It's a new priesthood. Secondly, I mean, it's a new citizenship. Secondly, it's a new priesthood. No, you know what Peter said? You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, that's pretty good, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession. Think about it. What God has done for us. Why? That you may proclaim the excellencies of him. Why? What's he done? He's called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. God has delivered us from the darkness of this world, and he's brought us into the light. You know, in the light you can see a whole lot better than you can in the dark. So it signifies that with this new priesthood, see, we, we are believer priests. We don't need a priest to go to God. God has made us priests so we can go to him on our own. And what was a priest? A man that was dedicated to God, has access to God. He works for God. He worships God and offers himself for God. Now we do that. Now we, as New Testament Christians, we're dedicated to God. We have direct access to God. We offer our work to God. We worship God. 
and we even offer ourselves to God. See how things have changed? In the Old Testament, the Levitical priests, they'd represent the people before God. They would go to God on behalf of the people. But now we're in the New Testament, and we can go to God on our own because when Jesus was crucified, everything changed. In Matthew 27, 51, something miraculous happened when Jesus died on the cross. It says that the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. That veil was a curtain, and it separated the back of the temple, the Holy of Holies, where the presence of God was, from the front part of the temple. And it was a foot thick. Imagine a curtain a foot thick. That thing was strong. And when Christ died on the cross, God tore that curtain from the top to the bottom. And you know what that signifies? That now we have access to God. See, that curtain kept people out. But now it's been torn. And it allows us to go in. That we have direct access to God. Mano a mano, one-on-one. Why? Because we're believer priests. In Hebrews chapter 10, it says we have confidence to enter the holy place. Do you have confidence? Do you have confidence to go to God and say, God, here's what's happening. Here's what's happening in my life. And you should have that confidence because God gives it to you. Okay? God gives you the confidence to go to Him. And you know the great thing? You can go to Him with anything. Anything and everything. And He will listen. Janine's on board. She knows immediate access to God. Rhoda is on board. Welcome, Rhoda, from the West Coast. Lovely lady from the West Coast. Glad to have him on board. Tell you what. So what are we talking about today? The new things that God has done for us since we believed in him. Put new faith in him. You know what I like about this one? Because this is a real personal one. He's given us a brand new household. You know, families on earth, they can be kind of crazy, can't they? Oh, yeah, man, they can be they can be wonderful or they can be wild and anything in between. We know that. But I want you to notice a household of God. The Bible tells us that you're no longer strangers and aliens, but we are fellow citizens with the saints and we're of God's household. You know, the best people in the world are people in the family of God. They're the best people in the world. And if you're in the family of God through faith in Christ, you're part of the best people in the whole world. And if you know people that are in the family of God, then you know some good people. These are the kind of friends that we need to have. People that know God, they want to walk with God, they love God, because they're good people. They care for each other, they love each other, they're there for each other. And this becomes very, very personal. This is what makes the Christian life personal. When the word is used, household, where members of the household of God, you know what the word means? Oikos. It means to build a house. And the root word means a dwelling or a family. Do you ever think about yourself being in the family of God? Because before you put your faith in Christ, the Bible says you were strangers, aliens. We were actually alienated from the life of God. But through Christ, he brought us into his family. We're going to see that he adopted us. You know the joy a little child has when they grow up and they're fatherless and motherless? And sometimes they're bounced around from house to house. And then they find a family that loves them and they adopt them. 
and they bring them into their home and they treat them like one of their own. That's what God has done. He's adopted us out of this world, out of the darkness of the world, and he's brought us into his own home. So we have a home with God. We have an eternal home that waits for us. When you get discouraged, when you get down, when things don't seem to be working right, hey, it's okay. Look to the future. Look at where you're going because heaven is a certainty. It's a certainty because of Christ, because of what he did and because of your faith in him and what he did. Heaven belongs to you. So this word is used of one who comes from another country or city, settles in another city, and they have all the rights and the privileges of that city. That's what we have. We have all the rights and the privileges that God offers to us. You know, it's a beautiful picture of God giving us a new life. And this brings us to the next point, that new adoption, to be adopted into God's family. Paul said, you haven't received or you, you have not received the spirit of slavery leading to fear. See, that's what religion can do. Religion can put us on this type of a, a works program and all kinds of rules and regulations. But no, not with the spirit of God. He said, you've received the spirit of adoption as sons by which we now call God father. You know, until Jesus came, nobody called God father. No one called God father because they always felt distanced. And Christ came and said, you call God Father. You know why? Because he is your Father. He's your Heavenly Father. And he loves you and he cares for you more than any human father ever could. And you could have the best father in the world. But no father is going to compare to God, our Father. So we've been brought into a place where it was not natural for us to be there. But God has brought us in. So that's our new identity. We have a new family. We have a new home that waits for us. We have a new, I like this part, quality of life. God gives us a new quality of life. Base your dignity on something eternal. And what is that? Your relationship with God that will never change. It'll never change. Let me tell you about the last thing that God has done. He's created for us an opportunity that we are going to have a super wedding one day. It's called the marriage of the Lamb. That we as the church, believe it or not, we're going to be married to Jesus Christ. And you know why? Because that signifies the most personal, the most intimate relationship that anybody could ever have. The marriage of the Lamb. That's going to be the next greatest event of human history. You know that? That's, that's the next thing that we're heading for. And who's been invited to participate in this wonderful event? You have. I have. All people have, but only those that respond are going to actually be there. Only those that respond. Now, let me, let me show you what this invitation looks like. Revelation twenty two seventeen. The Spirit and the Bride say, Come. And let the one who hears say, Come. And the one who is thirsty, Come. Are you thirsty? Let the one who wishes to take the water of life, Take it without cost. Are you thirsty? That's the key. Who are those that accept Christ's invitation? Those that are thirsty. Those that are hungry. 
And then after the wedding, we've got the honeymoon cottage. It's all prepared. And what a beautiful picture we have of where we're going to be living. Revelation 21, verse 2. And I saw the holy city. We're going to be living in a city. The New Jerusalem. It's coming down out of heaven from God. Made ready as a bride adorned for her husband. That means that this city, oh, it's a beautiful city. And John said, and I heard a loud voice. And it came from the throne. And it was saying, behold, the tabernacle of God. That's Christ. He's among men. And he will dwell among them. And they shall be his people. And he will be their God. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And there will no longer be any death. There will no longer be any grieving or crying or pain. Because the first things have passed away. See, that's our new position in Christ. This is what waits for us. Can you hear? Are you thirsty? Do you have nothing to offer? If all those things are yes, you're invited. <laughs> That's what it takes. The ability to hear the invitation. God is calling. Whosoever believes may be saved. Are you thirsty? Do you have that hunger and thirst in your heart, in your soul, to say, you know what? I know there's something more. I know that life down here on planet Earth, it's not right that there's something missing. And everything that I do on this earth that still leaves me thirsty and hungry and needy and wanting. And if you have that sense, that's good because you know there's something better. And if you have nothing to offer God, nothing at all, that's perfect. That's what he wants. Because he doesn't want us full of our own stuff. He wants us to come empty. And you know what he'll do? He'll fill us. He wants to fill us with his joy, with his love, with his spirit. God wants to fill us with the things that fill God. See, this is where it becomes real. This is the reality of the Christian life. And you're invited to attend, not just attend the marriage. No, you're invited to be married to the Lamb, to Christ. That's the difference. So, when you think about your new position in Christ, which, as I said, it takes place the moment you believe. The moment you believe in Christ, that he died for your sins, he shed his blood, and he covered, covered it all, forgave you. And if you know that, that's it. That's all it takes. Not good works, not giving, not behavior, just total faith. All these things happen for you. You have a brand new citizenship in heaven. You have new rights and new privileges. That's why. So don't get discouraged down here when things don't go right. When life cries out, that's not fair because it's not. This life is not fair. It's not fair. David asked the question, why do the wicked prosper? They do. And it seems like in many instances, good people suffer. And why is that? Because life's not fair, but that's okay. Our rights and our privileges... Where are they? They're not on the earth. That's why they're in heaven. So God gives us resources to get through this life. And it's not going to be easy. You know, the storm makes the sailor a better sailor. 
If a sailor has smooth sailing all the time, he'll never become a better sailor. Oh, but in the storm, he's tested. In the storm, he develops his skills, and he becomes better. So the storm will test the boat, and the storm will test the sailor. And sometimes in our own lives, we need those storms. They'll test us, and they'll make us stronger people. They'll make us better people. What did somebody say one time? Whatever doesn't kill you will make you stronger. <laughs> That's true, I think. You know, whatever, yeah, it'll make you stronger. That's all. So remember where your rights and privileges are. Don't get discouraged down here when things don't go your way. Your rights and privileges, they're in heaven. Number two, you have a royal priesthood. That simply means you can go to God on your own. You can go to God. You don't need someone to go to God for you. He's waiting. He's like your father. It's like running to your daddy's lap. He's waiting to hear. You run to your father's lap in heaven. He's waiting to hear. Tell him what's going on. Pour it out. Let him know. God, I need your help. I need your guidance. I need your comfort. I need your strength. I just need someone to listen to me. You know, sometimes that's all we need. Sometimes we feel like, doesn't anybody listen to me? Doesn't anybody care how I feel? You know, in this life, there might not be that many that do. God will. And you know what he'll do? He'll impress upon your heart what you're looking for. He will. You'll sense it. He'll, he'll speak to your heart. And you'll walk away and you'll be like, oh, that's what I needed. That's what I needed to hear today. And all of a sudden, you become renewed. You become energized. You become alive again. It's amazing what you can do when you go to God. The third thing, as I said, we've got a brand new family. A brand new family. You know, sometimes believers are closer to other believers than they are their own natural relatives. That happens sometimes. Because you can have more in common with other believers than you would with even a natural family, That, especially if they struggle with each other. Maybe they don't get along that well. They don't share anything in common. So you come into the house of God, and there's people that have a lot of the same thoughts and goals and interests, and they're all there for each other. And it is a family. When you think about the family of God, it truly is a family. A family. What does a family do? It loves each other, cares for each other, helps each other, there for each other. That's a family. That's a family of God. So we're adopted into that brand new family. And then fifthly, oh yeah, we're looking forward to a marriage. The great day, the marriage of the Lamb. Christ is the bridegroom. The church is the bride. You know who the guests are? <laughs> All the Old Testament believers. They're the guests at the wedding. But we are the bride. We're the bride of Christ. When we get to heaven, God the Father is going to take all of us, the church. He's going to say, son, here's your bride. And you know what Jesus is going to say? She's beautiful. She's beautiful. And that's what we are. God has made us beautiful. And he prizes us so much that he gives us to his son as a bride. Imagine that. You know, Jesus is not going to say, Gee, God, couldn't you do any better than that? He's going to say, thank you. She's a beautiful bride. And you can be part of that just by believing. Catherine's on board. 
Catherine's here. I hope you're getting this, Catherine. Think about it. Janine says she loves her New Hope family. Yeah, because it is a family here. It really is. It's a real loving family. That's the way a church is supposed to be. It's supposed to be a loving family. And I'll tell you what, if everybody could find one, oh, things would be so much better. He really would. Catherine said he sanctifies us through his word. He does. That means he sets us apart. That the word of God will teach us and guide us and encourage us and instruct us. And you know what it does? It shows us who we are and it shows us where we belong. That's why to be in a Bible teaching church is so important. Because you want to know who you are and you want to know where you belong. These are the things that encourage us in this life. So this is what God has done for us. And we need need to be reminded of these things on a daily basis. Because you know why? We forget. We forget who we are in Christ. And we forget what God has done for us. And we get wrapped up in the cares of the world and the cares of life. And we become sometimes, you know, anxious, worried, fearful. We're living in an age right now where a lot of people are fearful between the the COVID-19 virus and the rioting that's going on and, and, and just seems to be the lack of security that people have today. That's why, hopefully, that as difficult as some of these things are, people will be drawn to God, that they'll be drawn to Christ and say, Lord Jesus, I need you in my life. I need the protection that you offer. I need the hope, the encouragement. He provides, you know, whatever you need, he'll provide it. He will be there. He's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. He tells us that. He'll never leave you, nor forsake you. He'll always be there. You know, we let each other down once in a while. We can't help it. But uh, the Lord will never let us down. Janine said, God is in control. He is. Catherine said, that's why fellowship is so important. It strengthens our faith. It does. It really does strengthen us and uh you know birds of a feather flock together if you want to fly with the eagles you can't run with the turkeys (laughs) choose your friends wisely and they'll be there for you that's what i'm saying today so listen thank you for coming along today i hope you got some kind of encouragement out of this today a little bit of encouragement to say man i'm so glad god is on my side and god is real And he's waiting for you to draw closer and closer to him every single day. Join join me tomorrow, same time, same station. We'll be back. We just want to continue to encourage you in the reality of who God is. Thank you for coming along today. We'll see you tomorrow for more of New Hope Radio.